If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, people, this is DJ. And this is Ish. And And this this is Season 4 of Better Let Me Tell You. this several times that if my parents were to have a reality show my family yes yes, sir. my mother would be the breakout star and the unintentional breakout star and watching premios lo nuestro today with them pretty much solidified i, I loved that you saw that it, it was like it was in its organic full just yes. nature yes. just yeah yes yeah what yeah. were some of your favorite highlights well everybody welcome to <laughs> yeah, episode, episode 144, 144. <laughs> episode 144 here we are yes so um, as we're recording Happy this, Friday, everybody. Happy Friday, but we're recording this Happy on, on, on Fake Friday. Fake Friday, which is uh, Primero Nuestro, was on tonight. And I just happened to be here at, at Darian's house. His parents were here. And it was great because I hadn't seen a Primero Nuestro in a while. So right. like, and, and actually this year was like one of their more star-studded right. ones or whatever. With audio commentary. It was wonderful. It was like what I am almost positive would have been like watching it with like Joan Rivers. Yeah. But you know... In Spanish. Yeah. And, you know, the Cuban version of it. Right, right. Because your parents, I don't, and I loved every minute of it, but I don't think there was anybody on there who they didn't have an opinion of. Oh, of course not. Regardless of whether they knew who they were or not. Of course not. Yeah. Right. I think there was even like an usher in the background that they what had What were some of your favorite about. moments? Oh, my favorite moments. My favorite moments. Well, my favorite moments were, ay, que vieja está fulana. Que vieja está Yuri. Viste con esa pelambre. And I'm like, mom, she looks, I mean, she's she's in her late 50s. Right, right, right. She looks great. Like, what more do you want? Like, 
she's not gonna look 25 she's and not. then you know and then you have the, the the flip side of like you know ay pero estos reggaetoneros vestidos tan ridículo like yeah. parecen unos payasos or whatever it was just it was it was everything I expected and more because there was that personal Borges touch yes I always say it My, if, if we were to have uh a, a re- reality show, it wouldn't be me or like my cousin. No, or, it would be my mother because my mother, like, and everybody has that person in, in their family. Mm-hmm. The thing with my mom, I think that everybody has that person in their family that says a lot of crap. Right. The thing with my mom is that my mom is in total denial about it. She doesn't believe she's that person. Your mother also, believe it or not, unintentionally has good timing. Yes, she does. Because she has good your mother, comedic timing. Yeah, because your mother's not trying to be funny when she says things, but she always it, it just it lands at the right, right moment. Right. Yes, you're right. She does. Yeah. But you know how everybody in their family has that one person that always has opinions and right, like right, 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 whatever. Right. right. The the thing with my mom is that my mom, I, as I said, she is it's unintentional. It she is in denial about it. Like she she's like, no, I'm not. I'm not funny at all. I, like I I don't say funny things. I don't I don't right, like humor. Right, right, like right. and it's like, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like yeah. you know my mom. My mom's very like straight. Very yeah. Like, but then but that's what makes it hilarious when she says things. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. it's that it's that thing of like no. She doesn't think she's funny, so she's not trying and to then be funny. Also, you could tell from the way her body language is to the way she's looking at the TV to what she says that she is like oozing judgment it's like it's genuine <laughs> yeah like it's not an act she's not trying she, again she's not trying to be funny so everybody listeners who you know I'm sure you all have that maybe we should person. do a silent auction the next uh you know Spanish TV award show and just <laughs> watch the, it with my parents. yeah and what you win is that you get to watch an award show with Darius <laughs> parents, parents from Ta-da-da! beginning to end for better or for worse you can live stream the whole thing <laughs> it'll be it'll be an experience my mom you know she said Humabinga. <laughs> that was great. When she was talking about, uh, <laughs> I forgot who she was talking eh, about. Eh, Camilo. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Because Camilo's short, you know. Yeah. yeah. And she's like, you know, it's a humabinga. But it's just the way that she, right, the timing and the way she says it, and that it's dry. You know what I mean? Right. Like your mother should be British. Yeah. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's how dry her, her humor uh, is. So how is everybody? Uh, happy Happy Friday. Happy Friday, my God. We're almost like ya estamos por la mitad de febrero. Uh yeah. No, past it. Yeah, ahorita, mira. Mira, yeah. ya ahorita Halloween. Yeah, ahorita yeah. hay que sacar el abuelito. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Already? Shit. Tú era, Can tú we era, my birthday me, Oye, chico, mira. El abuelito keeps coming out every year earlier. No, earlier. that's true. Ahorita Memorial oh, Day. No, ahorita is going to be after the 4th of July. Right. That's it. You know, we're in the latter end of summer. Just don't set the tree on fire. It's time to it's That's time all I ask. to you know <laughs> just celebrate put out the tree. Bring so, the tree out. You know whatever. Anyway, oh, so um, <laughs> so actually, I wanted to you know in this week's episode. Yes. Um, well, actually, first of all, before we get into um, the real you know some some of the you know topics we were. Gonna are you, are have. you going to make a comment about my ensemble? <laughs> no, baby, you always look good. Okay, so. You know, our hearts go out to our, well, to everybody, listener, non-listener in Texas. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, you know that when this whole Texas thing started happening, I didn't pay much attention to it in the sense that I was like, 
oh, you know, it's a cold front. Th- that happened. Yeah, it's a it's a really really bad cold right. front. Go- you got some like snow, anywhere else, whatever. You know, right, right. some inconvenience. Right. You know, like remember a, a years a few years ago when it snowed in Atlanta. You know, that everybody and, forgot how to drive. Yeah. Well, you <laughs> yeah. know, because no, it never no, right, snows right, in Atlanta, but, right? right? right. Uh, I thought it was something like that, but right. then no, and then it took a turn. Yeah, it took a turn for like the worst. Yeah. And you know, and we have listeners and very 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 good friends out there so to leslie and julio specifically um well to everybody but to them and specifically they're very good only because we, we know their names we, no they, no you know, they're very good friends no, 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 and, i'm saying they're friends of ours and if, they're very very uh big listeners you know we hope you're doing well um if we knew all of your names we'd say all of your names too It'd be like, <laughs> but, but yeah you know our hearts go out to the people in texas like it, it really sucks i mean yeah and the problem is that you know which i'm sure a lot of people have been reading that you know they're not it's like if it snowed here or like we got that here, we're not equipped yeah. for that weather. Like things would go bad you know, very like quickly. I was, I was hearing today that... Um, the only they, thing, the only difference I think, um, and I actually saw this on actually a Facebook post of somebody we went to high school with. She's in Austin. And, you know, she, she posted like a... She posted like a, hey, you know, we're okay, blah, blah. And she's like, if there's one thing Floridians know how to do, it's prepare for an oncoming natural disaster. That is true. So... If it were to happen here, it would be crazy and it would go sideways 100%. But I feel like we'd apply that like hurricane thinking at some point, like before as it was about to happen. And and also, we all have generators. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, well, we all have generators, but none of us have heaters. Oh. <laughs> so. Mm, that's the flying ointment, isn't it? So, yeah. Because yeah. I was saying, yeah. I was about to say, oh, we all have generators. So just plug your just heater plug in. The hit, but, but we don't no, have heaters. We don't have heaters. No. No. You'd basically just be standing around the generator for heat. Yeah. <laughs> But then you can do that because you get carbon monoxide poisoning. <sighs> so it's something. It's a lose-lose situation. Always something. So, and also I was seeing, I was watching something today that um, there is an issue with like the sea turtles. Yes, yes. That's a big, that's that, a big That they've problem. been trying to rescue the sea turtles because a lot of the water has frozen yeah. and they can't come up for air. So they're they're drowning. Yeah. Um. So they're they're trying to save as many sea turtles. Yeah. Some people have opened up their houses as like sanctuaries. <laughs> like you walk in and your garage <laughs> is filled with turtles. <laughs> okay. I will say that's the one thing that if it happens down here in South Florida, I am not turning my house into a sanctuary for the iguanas or for the the hey, crocodiles. The sea turtles, I mean, we want to save the sea turtles, but imagine la peste que hay adentro. Yeah. That's such a funny Spanish word. From turtle in English to gigotea in Spanish. <laughs> Mira esa gigotea. Because nobody says tortuga. No, because tortuga's tortoise. Right. Well, yes, that's true. But but I feel that's one of those interchangeable words. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. People are going to be like, well, you know, right, the, right, the species right, right, right. is right. not. I mean, some people say tortuga generally to talk about a heavy person. That's like, that's like in Spanish. <laughs> but. <laughs> That's like in Spanish, you very rarely hear somebody say un caimán. Right. It's it's cocodrilo. Cocodrilo. The alligator, oh crocodile, God, it's so cocodrilo. True. Yeah, yeah. That's so true. Nobody says un caimán. Nobody really says caimán. Oh my gosh, wait, the caimán. I... Hold on, that's why the little ju- logo is a cro- Never mind. Did you Cut, just edit that out? Did you just Ed- fall from the tree? Out, edit that out. Listen, I have three college degrees. Did you? <laughs> edit that out. <laughs> Un caimán, verdad? Yeah. A caimán is a crocodile. An alligator. An alligator. An alligator. El cocodrilo. No, el cocodrilo is a crocodile. Yeah. yeah. 
You're right. Nobody says Caiman. Nobody says Caiman. Everybody's like, un cocodrilo. Yeah. But at least in English, people really do say yeah, it's alligator a, and crocodile. crocodile. Yes, yes. Right. It's they, very they, defined. They, they use them specifically. You know, yes. and then, you know, I'd always be like, I don't know which one's which. I know one has a blunter nose or something. I don't know. Yeah. That's kind of like in Spanish, you know, 60 and 70. I'm like, I don't know. I saw you doing that earlier. What, the 60 and 70? <laughs> because you were telling... Your father, I think it was like Lucia Mendez's age or something, and you did not say sesentido. You said the whole sentence in Spanish, and you're like, "Si sí, papá, porque aquí dice que ya tiene 62. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, that's because he because I happens to me. I always struggle. That happens to me too. I always struggle. That's why when in Spanish people are like, "No, no, sesenti. No, the worst is when it's a phone number. Si, ¿cuál es tu teléfono? Cinco sesentido, sesenta y Okay, I'm like, first of all, what? Who is the Viking that is giving you a phone number like that, okay? Right, but there's I, a rhythm to phone numbers, right? But I feel that is true. But I feel that like when they start throwing sixties and seventies at you in Spanish, they're all over the place, right? Yeah, yeah you need a moment. Yeah, it's like wait, how many sesentas are there, and which one is it? I totally don't okay. Know. Why don't we do this in Spanish? Why can't we say I don't know? I don't know something another word. I I know I'm not the only one that gets confused with sixty and seventy. I still get confused. So it's sesenta y setenta. Setenta is seventy. Yes. Oh. Sesenta is sixty. Setenta is seventy. Yes. Yeah. No, that, I'm telling you that's the learn portion. That's the learn. No, I'm telling <laughs> yes. you when I'm in the office and I'm dealing with a Spanish client. See, sí, ¿cuál es el número? Cinco setenta y dos setenta y cuatro setenta y uno. And I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> what? Cinco uno seis uno. No, tell me seis siete. Like. Just whittle it down for me. Yes. Whittle number down. by number, please. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm dumbfounded. I love it. That was, that was the learn portion for you. Yes, that was the learn portion for me. And my mom says, she's a big toad. Because it is a bullfrog. <laughs> a bullfrog. <laughs> it's a literal translation. It's a literal translation. It's a bullfrog. <laughs> anyway, so... <clears throat> Uh, to our listeners out there, there's this documentary on HBO yes. that we watched this week. And I just thought it was so, I wanted to bring it up in conversation because I thought it was so, I don't know, relevant to the times we live in. Yeah. But it's relevant in how irrelevant social media really is or how fake it can yeah. be. With that said, make sure to follow us. Yes. Um, like our pictures, comment, you know, yes. help the algorithm. So there is this documentary that's your friends. on HBO called Fake Famous. And um, it was really good. So it it is about how... It's a social experiment. It's a social experiment on how how social media... And we all know this. We all know that social media accounts can be fake. At, but to, at, at best, curated. But to the extent right, that right. it can be fake. Because, for example, and I mean, let's be honest. We all curate our social media. I mean, I, I, I'm only going to put a picture of me where I think I came out good in. Right. You know, right? Like I have a very, and I've said this before. Like I do too, Instagram, even though you say the you say that's not true about my about my Instagram. I, you know, I have a very particular aesthetic that I like. I like right. for it to be vivid. Um, I, that's why I don't put memes. Right, I right. don't put. I, I like pictures to be centered, or to, I use a mm-hmm. rule of thirds. Like that's my aesthetic. So mm-hmm. yes, you can make the argument that to that in that sense, my Instagram is not organic, right? And I put pictures that like I think. I, you know, obviously came out good in, right. in the you summer, apply a filter, in the summer, you... I like to put blue, like pictures that have to do with like water Are and you all serious? that. You've thought this much through. 
having you seen my color coded Instagram? I've never put. I've never really thought there's about. There's hashtag Darian Blue theme. <laughs> I've I have never a hashtag much Darian Blue theme. In the summer, I like to put pictures that are blue that have water in them. Yes. I just year round post Darian all those pictures. Blue theme. <laughs> but that is my thing. I'm very like I have an aesthetic right, right, right. that I go for. You just go for. Gym sh- shots and selfies and lots of topless pictures. I look cute today, it's and true. I don't own shirts, right? I don't. It's all our thing, right? <laughs> but I think you know we we all sit and laugh and like, oh, you know, right. you do this and you do that. But, but that's more curated. That right. is that is you know that's that you put a little thought into it. Right. This documentary pulls the curtain back way more right but th- these are on um, people that have become influencers mm-hmm. and it's completely artificial right. so in the documentary they got three people right and yeah. they, they were very careful on who they got they they tried to get they had an audition of, right they had an audition they tried to get like not middle of the road people but people that had a small um following on instagram and people that wouldn't you know be th- you know you wouldn't feel threatened by them. You wouldn't feel like they just seemed very like middle of the road. That malleable. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And 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 a great example is like there was this one person who she was like an opera singer and they purposely did not choose her because they're like She's gonna have a, an opera following. That's a talent that is right. going to automatically right. just right. It, it's gonna skew the experiment. So they they you know they sort of gave these people not a com- huge makeover, but they glammed them up a bit. Yeah. And they started putting them in like artificial situations like in LA for example there is the inside of a plane that you can rent to make it look like you're flying in first class and it's not even first class in a private plane in a private plane and it's like they said like 50 bucks an hour yes right and then one of the things that blew my mind was that the whole spa thing no the thing where you can be like in um let's say a picture and a mural of let's say a tropical destination uh-huh. of the Cayman Islands, right? You know, and you got a toilet seat. Oh, yeah, like you, you're in a you're in a plane, right? It makes it look like you're in a plane. That and blew my mind. These are all things that people have done, right? So, but yeah, they, wanna... they have them like the girl, it, it, the, and again, it's you can tag anything. The one girl she was like sitting like in somebody's backyard in a pool, and they were right. like four seasons. Right, you know, and it was nothing. And, was, and then they got like an old plastic kiddie pool and they filled it with water and put roses in yes, it. Yes, yes. Rose petals. And they, you know, she kind of like... Put, they angled they her. They used it as a backdrop. So it made it look like she was in this expensive spa. My favorite was, or one of my favorite moments was when they showed this girl that um, she had this, she documented this whole like upscale vacation that she took, like world the girl, tour. The Bali? Yeah, that she that went was to Bali, Ikea. and she did the whole photo shoot at Ikea. Yes, I love that. No, but she did that. Like, she was somebody who purposely... No, yeah, yeah, she did it on yeah, purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she, not, purpose. she wasn't, like, found out. But anyway, the point of the social experia, experience, experience, experiment was to show that, which is something that we knew. We knew this happened, but this was... This but, like, documented. It was This pulled the curtain, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, um, How they... These... Instagram profiles were completely made up. The followers were bought. You could buy followers. Oh, yeah. They bought 7,500 followers for like 120 bucks. Yes. They bought followers. For the record, all of our followers are organic. They bought likes. They bought comments. Yeah, everything. Right? Everything. Um, And what I thought was really interesting was that 
when these three individuals they picked for the documentary mm-hmm. started getting attention, how it affected each one of them differently. Yes. I'm going to say, though, the the blonde guy, Wiley. Yes. First of all, I'm sorry your parents named you after a cartoon coyote. But... You know what? He had a lot of anxiety and a lot of hesitation. But every time he was posting something, he had a lot of Okay, so you know what? You don't have that much anxiety. Well, but the thing... But but his argument was that, you know... Um, also, the, the one friend of his who was just like, what's going on? You have so many bots. They're Russian. Da, da, da. Right, but I think, I think that was a troll, not a friend. No, he said it was a guy that he kind of knew from back in Atlanta. Mm. And so, but I was like, What was interesting was how the other guy... Yeah, like he, he didn't want to be. He rejected. He's like, he this is not who I am. I'm not gonna do something fake. <laughs> he screwed up the whole experiment. <laughs> yeah, he kind of screwed up the whole experiment. <laughs> but the girl was totally like, okay, okay, I'm in for it. Well, because she's she's an aspiring actress. Mm-hmm. So I, in her mind, you could tell that she didn't lose herself. But in her mind, I think that she was just like, you know what? This is another role. I'm oh, yeah. I'm, I'm playing the role of influencer because you would yeah. see her. She was like, when she would interact with other influencers, and she was just like, yeah, these girls are That's another why I've, level. I've, I've always, well, we both have. We've rejected that term, influencer. Yeah, even though Lucy tells us to embrace it. So, you know, look, I understand because it's technically what, we in what are. we do, we're influencers. Technically. But... You know, that's not our mentality behind I, it. I think it's also different because we are actually putting out a product. Uh, uh, yes, a, right. Right? You know? Like, for, for better or worse, you co- I mean, let's call a podcast a product, right? And it's not just about, like, look how pretty I am or yeah. look how fabulous my lifestyle is. Right. When it really it's not. When it's really not. When it's a toilet seat, you know, <laughs> in front right. of a, a, a screen. Right. Um and so it's it's called Fake Famouses on HBO. It's really good. What I thought was really funny was the whole thing with the pink wall. Oh my god, you read my mind. We need to next time we're in we LA. We need to find a teal wall here in Miami and make oh, let's right. hashtag make the teal wall happen. Yes. Okay, listeners, let's figure this out. Winwood needs a teal wall. We're gonna figure this out because nothing is more Miami than teal. True. You know, and you do it in Winwood where there's all the art. You know, all we the need art on the a walls. teal wall. Screw the pink wall. We need a teal wall. So whoever's listening to this, Adale, we'll go help you okay. paint the wall. We will get on it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the whole thing with the pink wall. We need but to you, go but you there. Know by what, the way, though? next time we're but in you know LA. what though. But then I was thinking about that. It proves its point that it's a stupid pink wall that has no significance. And it's I a thought Smith that, store. and you thought that, yeah. and it's like, okay, next time we go to LA, we totally want to go to the pink wall. Like, right, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, it's it's circular because we will fall into it like everybody else. But I think, okay, not to defend us, but I think you and I right now are also about the pink wall because what where we are thinking from the perspective that we're thinking is more like, okay, we'll go and we'll take the pictures and we'll post it on the Instagram for the show and that'll help us. Well, but that'll help us, you know, get more attention, potentially more listeners. So like, you know, I I would not seek out a pink wall on my own, but I would do it for, and I know that sounds like a cop out, but I would do it in service of the show, you know, self-promotion. Listen, if you're not out there self-promoting, nobody's going to do it for you. No, 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 no. I look, I, I, I don't disagree, but, but I think that that's how a lot of people fall into the whole pink wall thing that, you know, they... See, Tenko does did it, and now everybody has to do it. Exactly. Um, I just... I It kind of blew my mind, too, when they said that half of uh, um, Kim Kardashian's oh, followers Instagram are, followers are fake, are fake, are bots. 
and you know the whole economy and logistics behind it how yeah. like instagram you know all these social media platforms get to brag like oh we have you know mm -hmm. all these users and we have this in much engagement so they're not necessarily going to hunt down the, you know it's not it's the their, bots. it's not in their interest right it's not in their interest and everybody's making money yeah so okay so this section here is our section of Pero Politica ish. Cue in the clown music. Okay. So we're having a section. A lot of people have asked us about Pero Politica. <laughs> um, so this is like the political corner of today's episode, but it's not really political. It's like shits and giggles. That's why I asked you to cue in the clown music. Of course, cue in the clown music. So, okay. I want to talk a little bit about QAnon. Do we have to? Yes, we do. Because this <sighs> is great. This is amazing. No, not QAnon. But what we're going to talk about QAnon. So, I didn't know this. I did not know this. So, I think we've all heard about the crazy QAnon conspiracy. And we've all predominantly heard how people that are in <laughs> QAnon or believe in QAnon, whatever that is. Right. Because uh, nobody's really sure. Well, they take orders from Q. Right. We're not, but is, nobody knows who Q is. Right? Is Q like Charlie? It's <laughs> even more confusing. There's a character from Star Trek: Next Generation named Q, who and is, then there's Johnny Q. Then, right. <laughs> so I mean, there's just a lot. Johnny Q had great hair for a cartoon. He did. He did have great hair. Johnny is it Johnny no, Quest? Johnny Bravo. Johnny, Johnny Quest. Johnny Quest. Johnny Quest. But Johnny Johnny Quest, Bravo is when you're okay. But of. when I think of Johnny Quest, I think of the Q. The Q is very heavily. It's it like is. It is very well, big in the name. Yeah, right? because like, it's 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 a it's Johnny and then the big Q and then right because I'm thinking of the Q yes. with the little yes. anyway. <laughs> wow, I bet you no other podcast is talking about Johnny Q this week. Nope, no, and we're not talking about a freestyle singer. No. <laughs> Oddly enough, the only okay. letter they didn't use. Okay, so back to QAnon. So we all know that they believe, you know, the ridiculousness that... They basically built it so it's perfect. Yeah, that the Democrats and Hollywood are stealing children to put them in sex trafficking rings, right. drinking their blood, and it's headed by Oprah Winfrey and Tom Hanks. I mean, that makes total sense to me. That's, that's one of my favorite parts. But 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 they basically they've they've made it so that their whole their whole raison d'etre is that it's like we're against child sex trafficking, and then if you question them, it's like, but why are you questioning us? Right. Are you pro sex? Right. So they've built a perfect little circular thing because you can't really like who's against saving right. children, right? Right. So what I'm going to mention now I did not know okay. so, and I did some research about it this week okay. and when I did the research I was like oh my god I can't wait to talk about this on the podcast so earlier this week on The View there was a lady who was an ex-QAnon believer follower whatever okay. you want to call it member and she, you know she obviously had an awakening and she's like what the fuck am I doing with my life <laughs> like literally she, she even started crying on The View because she's like you know she kept ordering from Wayfair the, expecting all the, months, the children uh, yes all the <laughs> All these boxes from Wayfair. She's like, damn it, none of them are liberated. Right. So <laughs> that whole Wayfair thing. I mean, to listeners who hadn't heard, one of the QAnon conspiracies was that when you would go to Wayfair and you would order certain... Sheds. It was, it was sheds. And, it, and lamps. 
Oh, lamps too. Lamps, okay. And I think sofas, when you would order certain um, items that were very expensive and had like what would be human names, right. you were really buying children to be sex trafficked. Right. So I was saying like, gosh, I would be so upset if I freaking buy, you know, the Madeline chandelier. <laughs> and when it comes to my house, there's a kid in a box. It's I'll a, be like, it's a little French girl in a blue dress with a yellow hat. I'll be like, this is not what I ordered. You know, it's like, who believes that? Like, who believes that? And we had many people. And I remember there was was a follower in particular that we had uh-huh. in our podcast that was all about that life but oh bueno. so anyway so this person from the view this lady that they interviewed was saying that um you know one of the things that QAnon people believed was that the world was going to end prior to biden being inaugurated okay so she got like ready for doomsday oh right? she became a doomsday prep right okay she, okay. she, she had been following QAnon for months that's why she started to cry because she says that during the months that she was following QAnon, she totally neglected her daughter and her daughter was like five years old she's like i would pick up my daughter from school and put her to bed because i'd be like hours and hours and hours on her phone with QAnon and you know um looking <laughs> up QAnon conspiracies and all that stuff so she started saying how they all believed that uh, biden was never going to be inaugurated Curated, mm-hmm. Right. So because the world was going to end. So okay. she's like, oh, I want to be with my family and my daughter when the world ends. So let Who's me get sleeping. Ready. So, right. So she was like, oh, when Kamala Harris got it, you know, inaugurated, she's like, okay, we're running out of time. Like, uh. <laughs> then, then JLo sang. Yeah. And she's like, TikTok. TikTok. And then right. Garth and Brooks. Like, okay. And- so Joe Biden sang. I'm sorry. Joe Biden, <laughs> Joe Biden got inaugurated. Joe Biden got inaugurated. She's like, the world didn't end. And then it's like, okay, well, uh, what happened? Uh, you know, I woke up the next day and i heard the birds chirping and like okay isn't the world supposed to end so it was that and other things coupled that kind of woke her up woke her up so these are the things that i did not know according to QAnon, donald trump is going to be inaugurated as the 19th president of the united states go with me here go with me here as the 19th president of of the united states on march 4th so they expect on March 4th for Donald Trump to be inaugurated as the 19th. So in like three weeks. As the 19th president. It's like, damn it. We are getting to episode 200 if it kills us. And QAnon is not stepping in our way. Because we were not able to have a 100 you know, anniversary party because of COVID. <laughs> right. You know, a world pandemic. So we'll be damned if QAnon gets in the way of our 200th. Party, right? So you were not ending the world, QAnon. But anyway, (laughs) but anyway, March 4th, Donald Trump is going to be inaugurated as the 19th president. Now, why 19? Now, you're probably scratching your head. This is not a 60, 70 thing, right? You and our listeners, why 19th and why March 4th? Okay, there's a reason. I'm more more curious about the 19th, but okay. Let's talk more first about the March 4th. Okay. So now, um, for the last like 60, 70 years. It's going to happen right before 305 day. I know, right? <laughs> the day before 305 day. We have plans on 305 yeah. day. You're not ruining our plans, QAnon. <laughs> anyway, not today, not, QAnon. Not this year. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, you got to laugh. You got to laugh at this bullshit. So anyway, March 4th is because January 20th has been the presidential inauguration for about 60 some years. Okay. The presidential inauguration was usually March 4th or the first few days of March because before, back in the old days... They waited until winter was over. Well, not only that, but it would take them forever to like move across country, True. have a whole cabinet. Just the logistics. The logistics, you know, there right. wasn't any technology back then. So bringing in a whole new administration and all that took 
months. So during the Roosevelt, uh, Franklin D. Roosevelt um, administration Mm -hmm. in about 1933, I believe, um, he changed the inauguration date from March to January 20th. Because now by the 1930s, we already had phones and we had more technology and the Industrial Revolution had happened. So now, you know, people could get there by car, by train. So getting to D.C. and bringing in a whole administration was much faster. Right. right? So they changed it to January 20th. So it could be closer to the election date. Right. Right. So that is so that is the March 4th. That's why they're going with March 4th. Now, the 19th president. This is my favorite. Is it because because the. Oh, because of the March 4th thing, the last president was the 18th? No, and... no, 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 no. Okay. It's better than that. Oh, better. It's amazing. Okay. 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 So the reason why it's the 19th president, like, I'm really holding back to like not crack up because during this week when after I learned this and studied it, I've said it to a couple of people and like I crack up telling, telling people. So I'm going to do my best to hold it together. Okay. So the reason why it's the 19th president is because in the late, like in the 1870s, 1880s, I forgot what year exactly, the United States left the gold standard. Now, for those of you who don't know what the gold standard is, in the past, the American courtesy, the U.S. dollar, was based on, on gold. the gold reserves, yeah. what we have in Fort Knox. That is the gold standard. Right. In the, 18, I the, said, the 1870s, 1880s, during the Reconstruction era, mm-hmm. um the United States left the gold standard. So, according to QAnon, ever since the United States left the gold standard, the United States has really been a corporation. It's been a corporation. And every president that has been elected... Has been a CEO. Has been elected during the corporate years of the United States have been illegitimate. So, according to QAnon... This is according to Q. According to QAnon, the last legitimate president was Ulysses S. Grant. What? <laughs> Ulysses S. Grant. I was thinking when I heard that, I go, "Well, you know, maybe they're still in the birther movement of Obama, or no. maybe they're against Bush versus Gore, the Supreme Court." Right? No, you no, know, no, no, babe. Religion. No, babe. No, 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 babe. We're going Ulysses we're, we're, S. Grant. We're, we're, when they say we're taking it back old school, they meant it. When I read that, I was like, this is amazing. Like, this is, it's tragic look at, look at and it. sad. Tragic and sad that there's millions of people who believe this. But it's amazing. It's amazing look that it's no this crazy. Entiendo. Lo que yo no entiendo is, like, I, always, I wish I had that much free time on my hands to come up with this type of bullshit. Ulysses is Grant. <laughs> he was a Civil War general. Like, because the amount of, like, you, the amount of time. To come up with all of these theories, because that's the thing with all these conspiracy theories, right? It's like, you ultimately have to ground it in something, yeah, right? So you can't just say like, you know, oh, this is going to happen because we say so, right? Because that's insane. No, you have to tie it back to something. So when we're looking at our presidents, President 18, Ulysses S. Grant. So, so wait, sixteen. So like sixteen is uh, Lincoln. Seventeen is Andrew Johnson. Then it's Ulysses, Ulysses S. Grant, and then it's Donald Trump. So wait. So does that mean that when Trump, according to them, when Trump comes back on March fourth, he's going to switch us back to the gold standard? Because That's if not, question. because if not, then he's not going to be the nineteenth. That's a good president. question. That's a good question. I'm not sure. 
I'm not sure. By their own logic. Right. I'm not sure. I need I need to research more in the Please don't. The wacky. Please don't. Cause you're Google you're gonna get some type of weird ass algorithms. Oh, That's... No, 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 no. <laughs> you can punch me in the face. No, no, no. I'm just saying you're gonna get served some weird ass ads. I don't believe a single conspiracy theory ever. At all. At That's all. why it's a conspiracy theory. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's because I went to law school, but I believe in evidence and facts. I don't know. I always have call me crazy. You, you wacky know. person. You. you know, call me crazy. You wacky um, person. There. But yes, Ulysses S. Grant. That is amazing. Amazing that they believe that. That there are people who will sit down and tell you in your face very seriously that they believe that. That every president after Ulysses S. Grant. Has Do you know that I wouldn't even know how to how to respond to something? No, but you can't. That. You can't engage because what do, what do I even say? You can't engage. You just kind of nod your head and go, oh, "Okay." No, there are certain. That's things, it. You just kind of nod your head. Things that you just don't engage with, like you can't because, as I say, you can't engage with such craziness because whatever it is you're going to counter with, you're going to counter with facts, right? Right, and you can't counter fact. You can't counter. Lies and foolishness right. and craziness with facts. You can't counter it with anything. Only with more craziness and foolishness. <laughs> right, and they can take a turn and keep explaining things away based on other crazy things they say. Right. So. Right. So. Yeah. yeah. You're never going to end. Yeah. Ulysses says correct. <laughs> Man. So those 16 years that FDR was president meant nothing. At all. The only president to serve four terms. So who passed the 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 you know the new deal? No one. There is no new deal. <laughs> it's all a dream. So wait, did was Kennedy even murdered? Like assassinated? No, he's with uh, he's with Tupac. Oh, okay. And Elvis, because Elvis and, didn't and, really and, die. Right. And Marilyn. Right. Because well, yeah, Marilyn didn't really die either. Right. 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 And all the children from Parkland. Oh yes, and, because, and Sandy Hook. And, and, yeah, so right. because those things didn't happen. Right, either, right, 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 right. They're them. all on that island. Yes, according to them, <laughs> they're all on that all island. All that didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I love. I don't like. I don't like this thing. Wave it away. Wave it away. It's in. But when 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 you see things like that happen, and people believe really crazy things, like seriously, you think. Okay, there's always, you know, there's all types of people. So there's always going to be crazy people that believe crazy things, whether it's because of ignorance, lack of education. before it was the loon on the corner with a sign saying repent. Right. Well, no, because, but but you can make the argument because look, look at Jim Jones in the late late 70s, early 80s, that hundreds of people died. um, Yeah, but he start, but his movement started off as like, he literally went in and started helping like the underserved and the underprivileged. So he, it went it went off the rails. It went batshit crazy. He brainwashed them and have them. But what I'm saying Kool-Aid is, with right, But what I'm saying is that that started off, like I, I I mean I've I've listened to podcasts about Jim Jones. It was like he was a community leader. He helped like you know underprivileged people learn how to you know apply for grant like things right, like but, that. But even if he's, but I'm saying at least he started from that. These okay, people are starting okay, but, from but, the deep but, right, end, but, the beginning. But, but what I'm trying to say is that even if he started doing good intentions good thing i don't think it's good intentions but bueno let's say i don't think it's good intentions but even if he started doing things that are quote unquote good right 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 there comes a point that a rational human being is going to be like you have to oh, take a step out oh no 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 yeah. you're crazy cuz i could be you know i could work with the kindest person that gives you know everything th- that everyone, is yeah. giving to charity and doing noble things that if i hear them talk about this bullshit i'm going to be like yeah and i'm taking them steps back 
right? You go on with your bad self over over there. But what I was trying to, you know, the comparison I made with Jim Jones is that uh, in Jonestown was that that was like, we look at that and we're like, how can hundreds of people. Right, how does this happen? Hundreds with an H, have fallen for that, that they even gave Kool-Aid and ars- you know, Kool-Aid right. and yeah. it was, it was, uh, yeah. arsenic yeah. Uh, to their ch- kids and they committed all committed suicide, yeah. right? How can hundreds of people do that, right? Hundreds. We're talking here about millions of people. Well, it's also easier to do things online now. No, Recru- but, but recruitment is easier online. I'm just I saying. don't know. I, I, you know, you know that my problem is that I kind of see these things through my lens mm-hmm. and I'm like, I don't fall for none of that shit. No, like, no, no, no. Right. But I'm saying it's easier to reach people now. So the numbers are going to be bigger. I guess. I mean, but, but then again, I, it's personality driven because again, you know, here, yeah. even in conversations that we've had in the podcast, like you've told me like things about this and that. I'm like, I don't believe it. Like, I don't believe anything. <laughs> you don't believe anything. I don't believe anything. You don't believe I don't. anything about anyone. I don't. It. I don't. Unless you show me the evidence. Show me the evidence. I'm not going to believe it. Like, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's really crazy. You leaks says Grant. <laughs> Why not? Uh, so all these years, all these presidents we had to learn in American history and in civics. Pake. Hold on. Pake. Oh. Anyway. But you know what you have seen and heard? What? With your own eyes and ears. Demi. The talent of this week's guest. Yes. So you know that is true. Yes. I've seen it with my own eyes. And heard it with your own ears as yes. well. Yes. My senses have been... So that falls under your evidence yes. theory. Yes. So yes. this week we have Broadway actress Andrea Burns. She is a Miami native. Uh, she's she's Venezolana or half Venezolana. And the reason we're saying this is because she starred on the Broadway um, musical On Your Feet, which was the story of Gloria Stefan's life, Gloria and Emilio. And she played Gloria Stefan's mother. And honestly, she was a trip to talk to. You know what? She was great. And it's not because she's our guest, but I think that if you go back and listen to when we've talked about Get On Your Feet, that is actually my favorite part. Uh, when she does mi tierra when she does mi tierra yeah that is my favorite part yeah well I told her that I told her that that is my favorite part and she she was fantastic and you know it's times like these where it's like damn you COVID because you know this is the type of interview that I would have loved to have you know flown to New York and you know done a couple of interviews or whatever she was she was an absolute uh, doll I will say there was a little there was some glitches with my end of the audio so just you know bear with it guys but um thankfully her part of the audio is 100% perfect and so without further ado Here's, you know, local girl turned Broadway, Broadway diva, Broadway star, Andrea Burns. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. 
Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Bueno, mi gente, as promised, we have with us today a woman who is fantastically talented. And I'm not just saying that because A, she's from Miami Beach. And B, because I've actually seen her on stage when she originated the role of Gloria Fajardo in On Your Feet on Broadway. So we have with us the fantastic Andrea Burns. Thank you so much for joining us, Andrea. It's really- Buenas. I'm so happy to be a guest on Pero Let Me Tell You. But you, So you were born down here in Miami Beach. Um, I was born in Miami Beach, but I was raised in South Miami, like Kendall. Uh, and then I went to New World School of the Arts when it first opened. So that was like a big. You are not that old what? to be to go to New World when it first opened. Bueno, you know. Listen, I take great pride. I great pride in that. I take super great pride in that. It was an amazing place to be for those of us all over Miami. You know, interested in the arts and to be able to go to high school with everybody who loved the arts was just such a gift. It was a production to get to school, and of course, classes started at seven thirty in the morning. But but I loved it, loved it, loved it. So yeah. I, I and I'm I'm gonna probably massacre this and. Full disclosure, I saw this on Wikipedia. It's a tribute. Yeah. It's a quote attributed to you. I don't know if you actually said it because Wikipedia is a grain of salt. But yes. Is it that you, I think it says something to the effect of that you were a you're a Venezuelan Jewess who loves who was born to be on Broadway or something to that effect? Like well, close enough. First of all, that's like the best quote I've ever read in my life. Like, I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. It's just like Thank is, you. But yes. how old were you when when you were like, This is this is what I, I need to do with my life? You know, I was very lucky to have that direction very early on in my life. My father was uh, born in Brooklyn and raised in the Catskills. And my grandfather on that side was like in the full Borscht Belt tradition. They loved theater. My father especially loved musicals. So he'd always be showing me all the old movies. So I fell in love at an early age with that. I learned early, you know, that I could sing. And that was something that I I loved to do. But the the fact like tying it together with stories, like in musicals, that was like it, what I wanted to do. So the good news is I had that direction. The bad news is like I was in Miami where people were like, Broadway, you mean Broward? You mean Broward? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Your goal is to, your dream is to perform in Broward? No. Broadway. Que gesto. You know, so so although Miami had an amazing, of course, amazing music scene, amazing dance scene, Miami City Ballet, like, you know, but theater was just not. Now we have like Actors Playhouse. There's like a lot of stuff going on down there, new Miami theater. But but then there was nothing. I went to a performing arts camp. I found it in the little Miami Herald. There was an advertisement. I was 11 years old and it was a performing arts program in the Catskills, which is where my dad was from, but my aunt still lived. It was like half an hour away from my tias. So my parents were like, you can go there because she's right there and whatever. It was called French Woods. And I went there from the time I was 11 till I was 16. It formed and shaped me. And it was an incredible place to be 
No, it's it's interesting to me because as you know, somebody who I, I've always loved, you know, musicals and and Broadway and and just that whole world. And like you said, in Miami, it's not necessarily at the time growing up wasn't a thing, yes. so to speak. You know, For sure. we still didn't have the Arched Center, so there was really no touring shows coming through. I mean, they would come through, they would, but you know, so I have to, I always want to ask, like, what was the first show that you felt was really like it hit you? Well, there's like different things. It goes on different levels, right? Like I remember my parents taking me to see Sandy Duncan and Peter Pan at the Jackie Gleason. Like, and Peter Pan is so like, not necessarily my thing, but it was like, it was a full professional. It was like a Broadway touring. So my mind was blown by that. But then um, as I went, as I got older to the ripe old age of like 11 and started going to camp where they were doing shows, uh, they would do all these productions and they didn't care. They were giving you full adult themed, really? complicated divorce musicals, you name it. You were doing like all these, 11. you're not kidding. <laughs> no, for real, for real. So I saw a production of Sweeney Todd when I was 11 years old. Now, remember, it was performed by probably 16 and 17 year olds. And I thought it was the most brilliant thing I had ever seen in my life. That's it. You were, you were hooked. You were like, this is what baby. Is yeah, because I loved, I was never, I, I have great respect for all kinds of musical theater, but I was never like a, you know, um, 42nd Street, like, you know, we're just, we're in the money, and we're all just like right. tap dancing and happy the whole time. I couldn't believe that you could do musical stories that had like depth, pain, character, richness. I was like, this is real? Like, you can do this? So that's why, I, yeah, I really fell in love with uh, Stephen Sondheim and Hal Prince, who were at that time, they were the pioneers that were doing that. They were the people that were just breaking walls and doing things. And I was like, I got to go. I got to do all the musicals. I got to go to New York and I got to meet these people. Um, so, you know, you, you've you been a part, you know, you've been a part of several productions you've been a part of. So, you know, you've done your, your fair share. And I think most people will probably start to, you know, you know, from, I think, in the Heights, you know, where you originated yes. the role of Daniela, the, the hair salon yes. owner. Again, like I said, Gloria Fajardo on, on yes. your feet. And, you know, there's something to be said about you bringing a certain authenticity to these characters. And I, and I say that again as someone who saw your performance. Um, little Thank side you. note, it was actually, I lived in New York for a couple of years. Y da la casualidad, right when I was about to move back, my uh, DJ, my co-host, actually went up to help me move back. And on my last night in New York, I went to see On Your Feet. Stop. On Broadway. Oh, my God. And to say that I walked out of there, and I may start getting a little teary-eyed right now. I think it's somebody's Aww. chopping onions. But as I walked out of there, <laughs> seeing you know the story you guys were bringing to life of that Cuban American family that, as a Cuban American, I can relate to that. Walking out of that theater, I was like, "Damn!" You know, my goal was always to to live and work in New York, and I did it. You know, like they did it, and like so many, you know, so many others, uh, you know, of us Latinos, and and your version of mi tierra, oh woman thank you i can't tell you how much that means to me (laughs) thank you thank you that means a great deal to me because you can imagine somebody growing up in miami and the daughter of a latin parent like what kind of a burden singing that song is you know it's literally someone hands you you know the national anthem pretty much or you know and um i know it's a song that's important to so many people and so it was hugely important to me thank you that means a lot that means a lot so how how did you 
you know, I would say let's backtrack to Daniela, right? How did you get involved with that production? You literally yes. originated the role. From the beginning, yes. From the very first time, they were like, we want a peluquera in this, you know, neighborhood. Yeah. And I did not know uh, Lin-Manuel or Tommy at the time. And uh, somebody called and they were doing like, I don't know, two days, three days of a reading, which, you know, in the theater industry, a lot of times, you know, it's obviously expensive to like always put on a whole play or production to be able to try out what things are. So they do these things called readings, which you think is just like sitting around a table. No, it's like two days of like, you learn the music, you stand up, you're never memorized. Because during the reading, a lot of times they're like, oh, that song, I thought it was better when it was on paper, but scratch that. And you are basically the template, the guinea pig. You're trying on the material for the writers. I didn't know them at all. They were doing, it was only the first act, but um, Kiara Lynn Hulis, who was uh, the book writer, this was the first time that Lynn had now, now there was a book writer involved because Lynn was doing everything at first. And she was really into like, we have to extend the barrio. You know, Usnavi's the star of this play. But really, the barrio is the star of the play, really you know, is. which is which is what made it so magical and what made people connect to it in a way that was universal. All right. These are the people in your neighborhood. So so she was like, we need a peluquera. And and so they asked me to, a friend recommended me for this. I She was like, you're going to die. These guys are so talented. They're young. They're hungry. They're incredible. I was like, all right, well, give them my number. I had just had a baby. Oh, so I was like, oh, OK, I'm home, like doing nothing but like holding a crying baby. I got two days. I got two days have them call me and I went in there and right from the beginning I mean we didn't know the songs so Lin-Manuel was singing us all the songs just from the beginning him doing the opening number was like what is this obviously he's such an incredible sense he has such an incredible sense of showmanship and he also understands and respects and loves very hard the tradition of the you know old school musical theater and the Jewish the Jewish sensibility of writing that like he has that's like a part of his heart that he adores but he's a Latin man infusing all of his stuff in so I was like I felt like I had met a kindred spirit there's nobody like us I never met a Latin person who loves musical right so right totally so we were doing that and um but at the time you know it's very Puerto Rican Dominican neighborhood which is not the same as a Miami Cuban neighborhood so everyone's in their very like New Yorkian dialects and everything. And like my line is coming up and I'm like, I don't know, what do I do? Do I adapt this like Rosie Perez kind of thing that like people around me are doing? But I was like, if I'm playing a peluquera in a Latin neighborhood, I'm sorry. I grew up in Miami. There's like 14 I can call to mind that are perfect for this. And so I remember thinking like, will they get it? Will they think it's over the top? Like, I don't know what's going to happen. But in the end, I bet on what was authentic to me. I don't know. I One of my first lines, you know, I don't know what it was. You know, whatever. That is your first and, line. Uh, I've heard the first yes. album enough times. <laughs> yes. And the whole table fell out. And they were like, oh, my God, you are my tia. Or a lot of the Puerto Ricans, you are my titi. You know, like they were all like, oh my God. And so that was the beauty of that show is that we kept recognizing each other, our families in each other. Before it became this like huge Broadway sensation, remember, we were the first audience. So we're in, we're sitting there going, oh my God, or that music reminds me of this. Or how is it that you can put a freaking piano montuno and make everyone sing to it like there's a scene in the i'm getting very nerdy and inside now but there's a scene in the club where all the men sing bonessa let me get the next one bonessa exactly and i'd never heard that except like on a piano or on a trumpet do you know what i mean i was like you're allowed to do that 
what is happening? This is like the freshest thing I have ever heard. It's so exciting. He's either a genius so, or insane. It's, it's like, right. It's, it's, but guess what? But from the beginning, I was like, if he's insane, he's my kind of crazy. I'm in. <laughs> you know, I was one of the, you know, older, more seasoned members of the company because so many people were making their Broadway debut and were very young. And in fact, I had an opportunity to do, I was offered a Broadway show at the same time that uh, In the Heights was moving to off-Broadway. And it was a tough decision. And it was actually being directed by one of my heroes, Hal Prince. But these are my people and this is my heritage and it's being communicated in a way that is so pure, even if it closes in one night, I have to be a part of it. I have to be a part of it. And, you know, it ended up being the best call I ever made. Very fun, very creative times. And, you know, tying this into On Your Feet and just my whole trajectory then we go back to the, like the teenager in Miami who's like, oh, you know, I love Miami, but I just want to get out so I can be around people who do Broadway musicals. And the fact that I have made like the, the biggest impact I have made in the Broadway community is representing the people that I grew up around in Miami. Yeah. It's very deep. It's that, profound. That, 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 that's impressive, you know, because I think every actor wants to be a, their authentic selves in, in every character they inhabit. Right. Because otherwise you're it's not believable. Right. But the fact that you got to be your authentic self almost like on another level, because it was like, yes, you were bringing a whole community along with you. you know, correct. I mean, correct. I, I won't say like being I, every actor strives to be truthful and authentic. Like as an artist, like I can play an axe murderer. Like I don't have to be my authentic right, right. self axe murderer. Right. But but I have to be able to get in and relate to it. And that's the challenge when you're doing things that are a stretch. But when you walk in there, you're like, I'm sorry, just. I'm sorry. So I have to walk in here and drink a cafecito and do a little chisme, and, you know, and like, are you kidding? And speak in Spanglish. This is my job. You know, it's like, I have, I have all of the skills my whole life. I've been a ethnically ambiguous type of person. So everyone's like, hmm, what are you? So I've done a lot of different things and not because they weren't really incredible. You know, I did all the things that were out there. The only theater game out there, Evita, a side story, you know, after that, it was like, you know, I, I hadn't really been doing stuff like that. And so people thought I was Meryl Streep when I came out there speaking in Spanglish. They were like, your, your dialect work and the layers of authenticity. I mean, how long did you research? I'm like, please. I was just doing my mom's house on a Friday night, please. <laughs> that research is called Kendall on a Saturday night. <laughs> a real for reels. <laughs> but so, you know, so speaking of Kendall, you know, I guess that, that's a that's good a segue as any to on your feet. Um, yes. <laughs> so I know that you know this production had been in the works for a while because um, I remember again as a Miami boy, it's like the law that we have to know everything that's going on with Gloria at all times. H R H, Her Royal Highness, yes, Her Royal Gloria Stefan. Yes. As, as, at what point, you know, did did you become involved? Because I know you were part of the initial out of town in Chicago. As far as musicals go, and this is why it's exciting to do Broadway projects with people who are already global superstars, <laughs> they're, in my experience, it was a very fast trajectory. It was like reading a workshop, the thing, Broadway, you know, whereas like, you know, In the Heights took like eight years to get to Broadway. That's what people don't know. But this is like, Gloria's like, I want to do a show on Broadway. And the investors are like, yes, you know, so it was fast. So I know there was one right before me, a reading. But then they called me, I came in and did it. And at the time, I was very like, Gloria Stefan's mother? I was like, are you freaking kidding me? 
you know, and I had a friend who at the time was doing the workshops of and playing Gloria. And I was like, we're like the same age. Why are they asking? <laughs> I was so like, what the heck is happening? And she had done it already. And she said to me, wait, oh, mommy, why don't you come and just do it for two weeks? You'll, you know, you'll do it. You'll get to good meet Gloria. And you don't have to commit to the project, but you know, you do get the amazing Mi Tierra number. That's when I was like, okay, that's all she had to say. You know, I just was like, what? I sing Mi Tierra? Yes. And, you know, they're building it to be this huge, amazing scene in a club in Havana. I was like, done. So I went and I did the reading. Usually you do a reading or two, and then it's like a year before you get to a workshop. No, this was like they did a reading in the summer, and then they said by October they were doing the workshop. It turned out I had a conflict with the workshop. I could not do it. I had another play. I had to make a Sophie's Choice like decision the way I did with, and I was like, ultimately, I wasn't, even though I loved Mi Tierra, I was, I just wasn't sure about what that part was going to be. And I had an opportunity to do something so different. I was playing Judy Holiday and something so absolutely different, although very connected to my Jewish roots, by the way, but something so different than this that I said, Somebody's giving me the opportunity. That's what an artist does. I'm like, I want to go stretch. I want to do something different. Yeah, so that at the time, the director was like, oh, so you don't want to do this? I said, I didn't say I didn't want to do this, but I'm going to do, go do this other thing. Right. And you you do you. And if you find the perfect Gloria Fajardo, and that's great. And if you don't, call me when you get to Broadway. And um, lucky for me, they called when, they went, when we went to Broadway. And so that was so thrilling. And Emilio and Gloria were super involved it was just amazing because you forget besides the fact that they're you know such icons first of all they're the nicest people second of all they're like your family they're you know what i mean it's like it's like your theo and thea are running rehearsal it's like incredible and they're consummate musicians oh my god so like when you're it's really exciting like when you're working with gloria at one point was like let's go in the other room i want to work on me i was like okay and we're talking and she's like talking to me about the rhythms and and I'm like, okay, I have to ask you a huge favor. Is it okay if I tape this? Because I can't hear anything you're saying to me right now. Because all I'm thinking is Gloria Stefan is talking to me and she's <laughs> teaching me how to sing Mi Tierra. And I, that's all I hear. My my ears are going, wah, wah, wah. She was so cool. She was like, oh, of course. That's awesome. That's awesome. Plus, I think it's also great that all three leads were from Florida. Just saying. Yes. All three of you were Isn't that crazy? You, Anna, and Josh. Josh Segarra, yeah. yes. Isn't that incredible? So, of course, so many of us, yeah, but I was, you know, there were only some of us. And uh, Henry Gainza, he was one of the, like, mariachis. He's, like, a MVP vocalist in the thing. He's also from Miami. So, we, and also, like, of a certain age. So there were a couple of us that were dying yeah. When we were in Chicago and they're citing things like Mayfair, Club 1235. Yes. Like, <laughs> yes. We were just like super Radio cool. Bambi, super cool. Like right. All of it. Like when that, oh my God. You could tell in uh, in that Broadway theater when those things would come up, you knew where the Miami sections were. Because Correct. they were cheering about it. They were like, Because yeah, they were cheering. Like it was, okay. Yes. So yes. And I actually came to the opening night on the Miami National Tour in Miami for the National Tour at the Arch Center. Um, they very graciously invited me and I was there and I was like this is my dream come true is like to hear a Miami audience respond yes. to everything in this show because as much as the New York audiences loved it they didn't get all the references that yeah. you know that yeah. we die over so I'm so glad you saw it no no I, I, and I and I say this all the time like it was 
the perfect cap to my time in New York to, to end <sighs> that night seeing that story, you know, is that it's, mm. it, yes, now they're international global superstars, but there's, there's a humility there. There was one time, this is the kind of person, she was doing an interview, like, you know, she was like on a press line, my parents, my parents, because she knows what it means, right? Yes. So she's like, and she, and she tells the interviewer, excuse me for a second, so she can go say hello to my parents. You know what I mean? Because she knows what that's going to mean to them. What's that going to mean to me? Like, que belleza de alma. No, I just no. can't say enough. You know, you've been doing theater for a bit now. Unfortunately, last year saw with COVID. Mm -hmm. Well, I think we can just send it there. Last year saw COVID. Um, and it affected yes. everything backwards and forwards. And I, I can't think of a community that's been harder hit than the theater community across the board, even though, you know, there have been lots of virtual events and and awarenesses and you know the the show on nbc that was to to donate to i think broadway cares if, if i mm -hmm. correct broadway cares equity if i'd say it's yeah yeah um i know you're involved with with yes the actors fund and i'm involved with all of them i'm involved with broadway cares equity if i'd say it's i'm involved with the actors fund um which is kind of a misnomer because it's for all entertainment professionals you know in america it's called the actors fund of america but it's like anyone who's been hit by this like you think about of course you're like the actors and the actresses but like, what about the makeup artists? Yeah. What about the wig makers? What about the voice teachers? Like, there's all these people that you don't think of that are behind the scenes working so hard to prepare everybody. You're not going to be on doing makeup virtually. Right. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that's a little hard. So those charities, yes, are very important to me and actually gave me a great sense of purpose during all of 2020, you know, starting in March. Um, one of my best friends is a gentleman named Seth Rudetsky. He's the Broadway host of Sirius XM Radio. He was one of my first friends in New York, and he and his husband, James, began this incredible thing. The minute the shutdown happened, they were like, they called me up. They're like, you want to do a living room concert in your house? Like, let's just do this, and we'll give money to the actors. Fund. Do you have anything, any famous artifact or something, a souvenir that you've hung on to that you want to auction? So, you know, like, and they started doing these shows out of their house live bringing their friends on they brought on the cbs chief medical co correspondent his name is john lapook um for COVID updates but of course you know you realize like here here's this incredibly renowned you know accomplished new york doctor p.s he's a broadway fan of course so he's like oh yes i'll totally do it so there was just all of this and um, they were doing shows and it turned that then they would start hosting people and it became like a talk show ultimately they were doing so many that they were burning out a little bit. And so they said, you know, will you be like our, the older people will get this reference, the Joan Rivers to our Johnny Carson, will you come and take over? <laughs> and I, I did Andrea Mondays. I took over Monday nights for the summer. And also it was just such a joy. You realize that creators have to create. You want to invite people on that are like dying to just sing, share, do their thing. But also there's so many audiences that love the theater that now we're like, wait, I don't get to go. I don't know what my favorite actors are doing. So it was very oh, joyful. Yes. So I spent a lot of time very actively. Um, the, the name of the show is Stars in the House. It's still on, starsinthehouse.com. They do shows every day. So um, And they raise money for the Actors Fund. But then during the summer with our social reckoning, uh, we switched to NAACP. Like, you know, it's like wherever the need is, it's been an incredible time of connection, even though we've been so separate creators indeed have to create and um the latest thing uh i've been working on you know my husband is a as a director he was part of something called plays in the house where every sunday they would do these reunions of broadway cast doing plays on zoom yeah. plays not musicals because it's too hard to do musicals and 
so you know everyone's like in the square boxes and everything but like at the time it was like that was all you could do right so and then everyone started doing it and then it's like if i have to go on one more zoom i'm gonna kill myself you know nobody wanted to see that anymore <laughs> so now it's like and you know not just broadway a lot of the regional theaters yes. you know like your own actress playhouse you're like what are they doing like they have to stay alive so um i got coral gables yes so i got contacted by a theater called the george street playhouse which is just outside of new york uh that does a lot of um wonderful theater and sometimes they come into new york with off-broadway and broadway shows and they said they were going to do their season virtually at first they had the hope that they would do like small audiences Mm -hmm. you know so they were doing one person shows so they were like, this is a play. It's called Bad Dates by Teresa Rebeck. It's just one woman, single divorced woman talking about, this is what, she's a very prolific theatrical yes. playwright as well. And so this is one of her plays. And it's just about this woman, a woman from Texas who lives in New York, who has a 13 year old daughter and is just trying to like find love again, all of the dates that she goes on. And she also has like a 600 pairs of shoes and all of her stuff. So it's very, very fun. And because of now people are starting to go to work, but the COVID protocol, better, let me tell you, it's super intense right now. <laughs> it's no joke. It's no joke. And so uh, very wisely, they're like, okay, one person show. They have a beautiful theater, but they were like, we're not going to do it in the theater because to even get the amount of crew to build the sets, still too many people. Same. So they decided to go, what if we shoot it like an incredible uh, patron of the arts and a donor of the theater. Her name is Sharon Carmazan. She's like four-time Tony Award pointy producer. Was like, I'm in, I'm in Florida. Of course, she's like in Palm Beach for the winter, Snowbird. She was like, my house, why don't you film the scenes? Why don't you film the shows in my house? Because she has a big, beautiful home. My play in particular takes place in a woman's like bedroom. We, she invited us to shoot this thing in her home. And the very special thing about it is because they wanted the COVID pods to be as small and safe as possible. My husband is an acclaimed theater director who's directed there, so they hired him to direct, me to star, and then what's new for them is they are now hiring people to film and do cinematography. Well, my 17-year-old son is a film student, um, and he is a very passionate young filmmaker. You can check him out on Instagram at Hudson Make Movies. Proud mama. Uh, yeah, please, and you know, he's such a mix. His name is Hudson Rafael Flynn, okay? <laughs> That's so awesome. that's like he, all the pieces. He, he should just become a soap actor. I mean, with that name. Like that's, <laughs> right? That, yeah. Anyway, the head of the theater, they're like, we've been following him on Instagram. We know he like really does this. Like, would he be interested in filming this? So we all moved out to this huge home in January and created this family project, which was to film this play in, an, in a medium that's never been done before, right? Because if you make a film, then you change the script to, to, to be to adapted film. to yeah, a film. Right. Or if you film a play, you're actually on the set of the stage with the lights and the audience and they're filming it. So this is like this hybrid thing that nobody's ever made, that there was no rules. And we had to have the very small crew that was like, we spent January working on this thing. And now it's coming out on February 23rd. It's going to stream for about six weeks. Yeah. So we're very proud of it. So you can can check that out. Where can our listeners find it? GeorgeStreetPlayhouse.com. And yeah, you can check it out. And it's, and you know, it's very funny and fun. Cause of course the thing is, you know, we all, we all need a little lighthearted. Yeah. So it's a comedy, but it's also poignant and beautiful. And, and even though you can't see them on camera, you'll know it's a family affair. Well, Andrea, I, you know, thank you again so much for, for taking the time to chat with us. Like I, it, it's, it's, I love that you invited me. 
everything I, I, I imagined and, and more, you know, I, I, I love mm. one of the things we love to do is obviously spotlight, you know, Hispanic Latinos who've who follow their dreams, who are who are really doing something. And, you know, like I said, there's there's a personal element to to speaking to you just because of your portrayal of, of Gloria Fajardo. But we also love to see when, you know, local local boy, local girl, lo- you know, makes good, quote unquote, as they say, yeah. right? You know, fulfills their dreams. Right. And there's there's a certain pride in us that does come out seeing people like yourself, you know, achieve their, their success. And so thank you. Thank you for that. Oh, thank you. And it's my pleasure. You know, all I had to know was if there was like two Cuban guys with a podcast named Pedro, let me tell you, I was like, when do I sign up? <laughs> um, <laughs> but thank you. It's beautiful uh, getting to know you too. And I, I hope our paths cross soon again. But thank you for inviting me. It's been a pleasure. And we're back. Uh, it, she was so great. It's so funny because we were talking at one point, actually edit, edited it out. We started talking about like old Miami, like clubs and, mm-hmm. and bars and all that. Or, and yeah, she's just, Casanova's. Yeah, she's a Kendall girl. Yeah. She was Casanova's. In, she grew up in Kendall Lakes. Yeah. She, so, she danced I mean, to Clave Rocks. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Definitely. For sure. I'm sure she saw expose at Casanova's at one point or another. <laughs> or a town and country mall. Or, you know, one of the umpteen reunion freestyle concerts that have happened yeah. since then. Yeah. No, no, no. Like us. Yeah. <laughs> So, what I love about our expose experience is that we've seen expose in their later years more you know expose was a little bit before our time that's, you know? yeah. it's not like we were going clubbing when expose was that's you know, true that's true you know the top 40 um, but yeah no a get on your feet is you know, I try to see it from an unbiased way. And also I'm not a big musical person or Broadway true. person but it was just so great. Yes, so great. Yes. And I loved when you and I first saw it the first time. In the previews, in previews on Broadway. Like, I felt like, oh my God. Like, we, we have to get out and tell the world, like... This, the, the awesomeness no, of this all, You know, no offense, Hamilton, but you guys have to come and see Get On Your Feet. <laughs> yeah, and she's also worked with Lin-Manuel. You know, she was in In the Heights. She yeah. originated the, the role of Daniela. So, um, you know, and, and again, I told her the story of how you and I saw it, like, my you know, my last night living in New York and, yes. and all that. And yes. she she was great. Awesome. Well, we're thirsty. We certainly are. Thirsty, thirsty, thirsty. So I'm going to go first today. All right. And I'm going to go a gasless Coke. Oh, no. A gasless, gasless soda. soda. And I'm going to give this. I feel like I, I, I think I know who you're going to give I'm it to. I'm very upset at this person. And this is to show people that even if they are a Democrat. <laughs> oh, okay. So it's not who I thought you were. No, even okay. if they are a Democrat, when you do shit, I'm, you know, you, you deserve to be called out. You call them out. So my gasless soda. Soda. I'm going to give them the Beverly. Oh, no. Whoever oh. knows the significance of that, you know. Not the Beverly. I'm going to give it to Andrew Cuomo. Andrew Cuomo, okay. Andrew Cuomo. Because Andrew Cuomo, you know, Andrew Cuomo, as many of you may know, is the governor of New York. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as we know, New York was one of the places that was uh, one of the early epicenters of COVID. And, Mm -hmm. and, I mean, we don't have to go into detail as to everything that occurred in New York. Um, And Andrew Cuomo was very much seen as the hero of this, and he was praised by how well he handled it and his news conferences. Like, there was a point that Andrew Cuomo would every day give a conference as to what they were doing about the coronavirus, that his... His press conferences were getting more of viewership than the ones coming out from the White House. Right, right. And people were like looking to the governor of New York for more of a guidance than the president and the White House, right? right? 
And all this was going on, and he was very much praised, including by my by me. I mm-hmm. thought I was like, man, this man should totally run for president in twenty twenty four or whenever right. uh, as a Democrat. He is a Democrat. He is a liberal. But but it has come out that Andrew Cuomo and his administration were fibbing, fibbing, fibbing. Oh no! On the on the numbers of people that had passed away in nursing homes. They were underreporting it. They were underreporting. They were underreporting it. Now, were they underreporting? And they were underreporting by a lot. Uh, is it because the reports were not coming in cohesively? They were underreporting. Or, or they just decided? They were underreporting. Okay. Right. It wasn't like, okay, a thousand people died and they reported 960 people. Died. Right, 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 right. right. Okay. They okay. were underreported by over 15,000 people. 15,000? 15,000. Wow. That's a lot of people. And if they, in fact, were under-recording, recording, under-reporting purposely, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, it was, it was, mm-hmm. in, you know, it was they had intent to, you know, um, misinform. misinform the American public, then he either needs to be investigator or he needs to re- resign. Because that is some very serious, you know, bullshit in a very, you know, you're talking about a global pandemic. And especially when the world was looking at you. Right. He very much became the face in terms of our leaders. Yeah, one of the... He very much became one of the biggest faces. And he would constantly be come out on CNN, you know, Mm -hmm. on his brother's show, Chris Cuomo's show. Mm -hmm. And they would kind of like be laughing and ha 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 ha. And, you know, this nonsense was going on. And, you know, and if it was your parent or your family member who was in a nursing home and died alone, a lot of these people died by themselves, you know, you would be really offended and really upset for this about this. So that shows that I don't care who you are and I don't care what political party you are from. If you do some foolishness, you know what? You need to get called out. You're so, our very own so Billy Andrew Cuomo, I'm going to throw a, a no. gasless soda at you. Our very own Billy Corbin over here. Yes. No sacred cows. Yeah. Hey, I, there's a few things I disagree with Billy Corbin about, but Billy Corbin, on the most part, is on the money. But he, and he, listen, he sticks to his guns. He does. I mean, I give him credit for calling people out the way that he does. Yep. You know, as I said, there's a few things here and there that I disagree with him about, but that's okay. We love Billy Corbin. <laughs> <laughs> we're people. We're allowed to disagree. So I'm not going to do a gasless soda. Um, I'm going to keep mine short and sweet. I was actually listening uh, to one of the multiple podcasts that I listened to, and the guest was Robin Roberts uh, oh, from, Robin from, Roberts. from Good Morning America. And what I loved about her interview is something she said about, you know, she is unapologetically optimistic she is unapologetically a positive person and she does not feel bad about it because it's not that she doesn't recognize that there's suffering in the world that there's i mean look she's a black lesbian who went through cancer right she knows there's bad and suffering in the world but that she actively has to practice you know, po- like that positivity and that optimism. And she is a very positive person. And she is. She's a very positive, you know, every time you see her, it's just this very like ray of light almost, you know, like very happy. I don't want to say happy, go lucky, because that's not true. And I feel but she, but like she, you know, she looks like somebody who's gone through experiences and has still said, you know what? I'm going to choose positivity. Right. I'm going to choose optimism. Um, and there's something very uh, calming. Yes, uh, calming and very, very authentic and very, you know, genuine. So I, I just love that. And I think, you know, last year especially, but even into this year, you know, sometimes people being optimistic, being positive is not the easiest thing in the world. But you know what? 
you have to work at it. It's yeah. like anything else. Yeah, because the problem with positivity is that positivity can come off as dismissive. Right. Yeah. And, you know, when you say to somebody who's going through shit, like, oh, you know, everything's going to be okay and all that. It's like you're... Sometimes it could be like, but you're not listening to me. Right, right. But at the same time, yes, you do need that balance because then it's all doom and gloom. Right. It's it's a fine line. Yep, yep. So, so Robin Roberts and, and, and Cuomo. And Cuomo, but she's getting a nice, crisp, refreshing <laughs> soda right out of the machine. <laughs> He's getting a Beverly that's been left in the sun. Yes, without gas. <laughs> so that shit is going to taste like tar. If they're lucky. With that said, ladies and gentlemen, we are currently in the 46th president of the United States. <laughs> As I always say, there's four, there's been 46 presidents. Joe Biden is the 46th president of the United States. How many presidents have there been? 45. Very good. Why? Because Grover Cleveland you was i have taught you well was was president for two separate terms two non-consecutive terms so he is considered two presidencies right so nice little fact right to throw at people it also helps that you know it's one of my favorite muppets grover cleveland grover oh grover (laughs) near four i still have that grover oh um yes so I believe that Joe Biden is the 46th president of the United States. Just like I believed that Donald Trump was the 45th president of the United States. And I can go all the way back. Yes, you can. Yeah, I I can. I'm not going to do that now because that's going to take forever. Right. But with that said. People want to go about their day. They want to get out of their cars. With that said. And I don't really care if my dollars are based on gold. As long as it's a good number in my bank account. That's all that's that matters. Nobody's going to argue the gold value of it. You know, you're right. Nobody's going to be like, where is the equivalent to that in Fort Knox? Oh, yeah. As long as the check clears, I don't that's care. That's all that. Exactly. I that's a good care. way of ending the show. Yeah. <laughs> so with that said, we hope you all listened, laughed, and learned. I feel there was a good There was a good chunk of, of, of the... Uh, remember to grab your patelito, your croqueta, and your cafecito. And thank you for joining us, everybody. That was episode 144. Everybody mm-hmm. have a great weekend. Uh, happy Friday, Pedro Friday. And hear you all. See you all next week. Yep. Cuídense, mi gente. Bye. Bye. Pero Let Me Tell You is co-hosted by Darian Borges and Ismaeliano, produced by Ismaeliano, and our theme, Pero Let Me Tell You Freestyle, is composed by Michael Angelo Lomlaplex, the official gay guy. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, folks. I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 